What's up, Dolphins fans? This is Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked on Dolphins, and today is Wednesday, January 5th. We have one more game left to play this season, but today's episode is going to be dedicated to the primer for the 2022 offseason, where the Dolphins stand in assets, salary cap, and potentially players who could be on the move this offseason if necessary, depending on what other moves the Dolphins make. All that here Unlocked on Dolphins. You are locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. This is your host, Kyle Krabs, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Dolphins listen of the day. Today, on the show, dedicated to setting the table for the 2022 offseason, of course, we have a contest to be played on Sunday against the Patriots, and I'm eagerly awaiting to see how that contest plays out, how the energy is for that football game. Uh, There's a lot of Dolphins who are looking to put an exclamation point on strong performances. Uh, There is a team that is looking to put an exclamation point on what has been a 7-1 run in the back half of the season after a 1-7 start, obviously, so 8-8, right? Can you go out and claim a winning season? Are you going to finish your year with pride or... Is the loss against Tennessee going to completely deflate this team? I'm very interested to see how they choose to to show up on Sunday. Um, But with the league calendar year starting mid-March, we're going to have about two months to collectively evaluate this team in every way possible, in the same spirit that I'm assuming uh, that, that Coach Lem, who is the offensive line coach and was asked yesterday uh, uh, pretty much any question. His response was need, need the full body work before I can do the evaluation. And um, in the spirit of that, we are not going to start the evaluation process here on locked on dolphins until next week. Uh, But we are going to set the table and kind of look at and explore what the dolphins have at their disposal. Part of that evaluation process is going to look at coaches and alternative options. And that's one that I'm going to have in the chamber for early next week. Uh, Hopefully we have one last victory Monday that we can enjoy together. Um, But next week on the show, like we're going to be evaluating the coaching staff and we're going to be evaluating uh, alternatives, possible alternatives for spots that that evaluation deems has some changes that are necessary. So kind of just get you guys ready for two months feels like a long time, but when you go position group by position group with coaches and players and look across the landscape of what else is out there in free agency and could be available in trade from a pro personnel perspective and also simultaneously doing draft evaluations like This two months until the start of the season, it's going to fly because we're going to be very, very thorough, as the Dolphins will be as well. Uh, But you got to know what you have at your disposal to work with, and that's kind of what today's episode is dedicated to, is setting the table. So let's take the walk. 
right? We're going to have an opportunity to uh, assess all of the draft selections that the Dolphins own. And that's where we're going to start today. They own a first-round pick, courtesy of the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, This was, of course, part of the trade that was involved with uh, San Francisco and the trade back from 3 to 12 and then up to 6 with Philadelphia. And they sent their own first-round pick in that process, keeping San Francisco's. So they own the 49ers' first-round pick. And as a reminder, if San Francisco loses to the L.A. Rams and the New Orleans Saints beat the Atlanta Falcons, San Francisco is going to miss the playoffs. And if Miami beats the Patriots and those two things happen, uh, those picks are going to be back-to-back in the queue. They'll be like 15 and 16. So it will be almost a negligible difference between the two. The Dolphins own their own second-round pick which right now is somewhere right on the cusp of a top 50 selection. In the third round, the Dolphins own a draft selection. It is believed that they own the extra third that they got as a part of the trade back with San Francisco. The third round choice they themselves had was a part of the trade up for offensive lineman Liam Eichenberg. The Dolphins went from 50 to 42 in last year's draft, and the price for doing so was their 2022 third-round choice. Uh, The Dolphins in the fourth round own two draft selections as things currently stand, their own, and the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, which they acquired... Uh, when Miami made a trade with Pittsburgh during the 2021 NFL Draft, uh, they traded a that fifth-round pick, uh, which was 156 overall, for a future fourth-round pick. So two fours for Miami, the first round in which the Dolphins currently are scheduled to own two draft selections. The Dolphins own their own fifth-round pick as things currently stand. They own a conditional sixth. For Isaiah Ford, everybody remember the Isaiah Ford trade at the deadline last year, and everybody freaked out. Oh my God, we made a trade with the Patriots. That Isaiah Ford didn't play a snap for the Patriots, uh, but that conditional pick was apparently still met. Uh, that pick is believed to belong uh, to the Miami Dolphins. And then finally, Miami is currently scheduled to own a seventh round pick, courtesy of a trade with the Baltimore Ravens involving Greg Manns. Uh, That was a six for Manns and a seventh. So uh, Miami owning uh, a seventh round pick courtesy of Baltimore, but that pick, uh, if I'm following the flow chart correctly, originally belonged to the Houston Texans. So we will know the projected draft order um, based on the, the final standings. Seven seven days from today. Five days from today, technically. Uh, but another important note for the Dolphins is compensatory picks. And the compensatory pick formula is a very complicated one, if you will. Uh, it's not very straightforward. Uh, the, the NFL, based on free agent net gains and losses, uh, will 
award additional picks at the end of each round, starting in the third round. Uh, for example, Kenny Galladay signing with the Giants and, and Detroit not being active in free agency, that net loss for the the Detroit Lions has netted them an additional third-round draft choice. And uh, as part of the league-wide initiative to help promote diversity within leadership positions in the league, uh, a new rule change that was implemented as of last year was if a team hires a minority candidate away from a other team, the original team of that candidate is going to be awarded compensatory picks uh, as well. And that is where Miami's third-round draft choice is believed to have come from is when San Francisco had Robert Sala hired as the head coach of the New York Jets, uh, they were automatically scheduled to receive a compensatory pick in 2022 because of that. So, uh, But Miami's forecast for compensatory picks entering the year was pretty promising um, because the way that they, they calculate that value is they look at the size of the contract and they look at how many players in each tier of certain sizes of contracts you net gained and net lost. And um, so Miami signing Will Fuller was a big deal. Uh, that was a pick that uh, was putting the Dolphins in a position to not get a compensatory pick because they signed a big contract. But two picks qualified relative to their position groups. Miami had two contracts that could have potentially qualified them for compensatory picks, which means if you subtract the Will Fuller contract from one of those, there was still a leftover pick that possibly could have qualified. Uh, those two contracts were Ryan Fitzpatrick and Devon Godshall. Here's the problem. It's not just... The contract, they do factor in the quality of play. And because Ryan Fitzpatrick got hurt and missed the entire season, his play has dropped off, and he is now in the tier in which his loss is negated because it wasn't perceived as such a valuable loss for Miami because he didn't play at all. So the Ryan Fitzpatrick injury appears to have cost the Dolphins what would have been a fifth-round compensatory pick. Bit of a bummer. Uh, what's not a bummer, though, is anytime you pop open a Built Bar and eat one of the world's most delicious protein bars, Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar, 100% chocolate on all their bars. They are absolutely, positively delicious. And right now, you can visit built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and save 15% off your next order. That is built.com, promo code LOCKED15, to save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. What are you waiting for? So let's shift our gears, and let's shift our focus to... The salary cap, well, now that we've talked about the draft assets that the Dolphins have, and of course it's worth remembering they have multiple first-round picks in 2022 should they want to get aggressive and go out uh, and pursue more assertively 
uh, high-level talents for the roster, you can dip into that future uh, plethora of, of draft capital that you have at the top of the draft in 2023 if you deem that's necessary. According to our friends over at Spotrack, the Dolphins are number one in scheduled salary cap space for the 2022 offseason with just short of $75 million of spending power and 37 players currently under contract for the 2022 season already. That's a great place to be. Of that cap, less than $2 million of that, as things currently stand, is scheduled to be dead cap. What is dead cap? Dead cap is guaranteed money that's already been paid out, that has been deferred and kicked down the line um, and prorated year over year over year, that those contracts are no longer active with the team. Uh, because the player has been cut or traded, uh, but you still have to account for that money. Here's the breakdown on, and this is, it's less than 1% of the Dolphins' projected cap space. So you're in a good spot as far as this goes. But here is the projected breakdown of the Dolphins' dead cap. Jakeem Grant, uh, 1.367 million dollars. So he is almost the entirety of the Dolphins dead cap. A uh, couple of recent rookie picks, Jason Strobridge, uh, who didn't make the team, uh, his contract original contract as a draft selection was terminated, $163,000. Uh, Jared Dokes, 7th round pick this year, original rookie contract was terminated cuz he didn't make the team, $72,000. Malcolm Perry 2022 pick or 2020 pick, uh, 37.7 thousand uh, dollars, and then Jerome Johnson, six uh, 6500 dollars. Carl Tucker, two thousand dollars. Jaitlin Askew, uh, just short of two thousand dollars as well. So, uh, grand scheme of things, Miami's pretty negligible right now in lost cap opportunities, where that can get. Dicey is where the Dolphins choose to move on from certain players. Uh, and as far as big cap hits for next year, the Dolphins, as things currently stand, are only scheduled to take on uh, two players with a cap hit in excess of $10 million, those being Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. And it's, of course, also worth mentioning that Xavier Howard is scheduled for a renegotiation of his contract this spring. The cash that he is due this upcoming year is uh, approximately $13.7 million. Uh, that is number two on the team as well. Also behind Byron Jones, who's scheduled to get $14.38 million. So... I would expect for Xavier Howard, you're probably going to look to add three to four million dollars to that total um, in new cash. Would be my guess, and if that's the case, then you know you as the Dolphins, you can kind of take that in stride, 
that's not going to eat up too much of your space. And credit to Xavier Howard. He stayed healthy for the last two seasons. How long-term of a commitment they want to give this renewed contract this remains to be seen. Um, but this I, I know I was certainly somebody that was apprehensive given Xavier Howard's injury history to the idea of playing ball and committing additional money to him. Well, you know, he has done his part and been available to the Dolphins. Did he play as good in 2021 as he did in 2020? No, not necessarily. Uh, but I think we all kind of expected a statistical regression uh, based on the turnovers that he generated last year. But his availability, I think, is uh, a really good development for Miami and that situation and having clarity on where they need to go. The dynamics of Miami's pay structure can, of course, change depending on what they choose to do with Emmanuel Agba, Mike Gusecki, and if they choose to prioritize a contract extension for Christian Wilkins. Uh, as things currently stand, Jerome Baker's $9.7 million is the third biggest cap hit on the team. Devontae Parker, $8.95 million in salary cap, not cash, uh, which is just over four and a quarter percent of the entire cap projected, uh, is the number four cap hit on the team. Tua Tongavaloa, quarterback, $8.25 million is the number five cap hit on the team. Mike Gusecki, if they give him the franchise tag, is that's right around $11 million. And the way that franchise tag works, you can either tag that player and have him play the year out on him, in which case that $11 million is spread out across all the weeks and is fully guaranteed, no questions asked. Or if you choose to trade that player, uh, you are not on the hook for any of it. That guaranteed money is that player's active contract, and that would be absorbed by another team who then would presumably give him a contract extension and use that guaranteed money that they're already on the books for this year as part of a signing bonus, and then they can prorate and split it up over several years. So I would expect the Gasecki market to sit right at $11 million because that's, that's your tag cost. Emmanuel Agba, that's a different story. But here's what you can do. And the Dolphins have not done much of this because they've wanted to protect their long-term flexibility in the cap. If you choose to prioritize Emmanuel Agba, you want to sign him to that $18 million per year average. What you could do is you could give him a base salary of $1 or $2 million and give him the rest of his upfront big pay for 2022 in the form of a signing bonus. Say you give him a $18 million signing bonus. So he could get $20 million in cash when he puts pen to paper and signs the deal. But if he signs a four-year deal, you could take that $18 million signing bonus and you could prorate that out over four years, which means that's $4.5 million in cap commitment for 2021. So if you gave him $2 million, gave him an $18 million signing bonus, he gets $20 million this offseason, but his cap hit for 2022 is only going to be $6.5 million. There's different ways that you can do this, and of course there's pros and cons, because if you do do that, and then Emmanuel Agba, two years from now, is nowhere near the same player, you still have 
effectively a four and a half million dollar commitment for each of the years of his contract that if you trade him after two years or if you cut him after two years, that remaining prorated money is going to accelerate and you're going to owe it all at once. That's the risk of doing business that way. And the Dolphins haven't really done business that way because that's how they always did business under Mike Tannenbaum. And they were always pressed up against the cap. And then they had to restructure guys' deals and manufacture space and sign somebody. And then somebody else had to go because they were two years past their prime. And then you were always losing a significant amount of your salary cap to commitments that you made three years ago. And you don't want to do that too consistently. But that is a pathway for the retention of Emmanuel Agba, which I know is a big priority of a lot of Dolphins fans, uh, without significantly compromising your 2022 cap situation. Dolphins fans... I know we've talked about it before, but make sure you guys are aware of the incredible app for everybody who buys gas. Get Upside. Listeners are making as much as $0.25 for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus $0.25 per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to $0.50 cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to $0.50 per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back. There's no catch. Cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime your bank account, PayPal, or e-gift cards such as Amazon or other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN. One of the other big questions that I've seen, and I've been exploring a lot of this myself with a lot of the uh, work that I've been doing to kind of prep for uh, the offseason ahead and different outcomes and iterations of the offseason and what that could look like. What are some of the cap savings opportunities that we have here for this team? And I could tell you this. Jesse Davis, let's use him as an example. Jesse Davis is owed $3.6 million in cash in 2022, which is the final year of his contract. You can cut Jesse Davis and save $3.61 million. The only thing you are going to be responsible for is a $1 million prorated signing bonus. When he signed a three-year contract extension, it came with a four. A $4 million signing bonus. And that was spread out over the final year of his last contract and each of the three new years. So you could save $3.6 million against the cap for Jesse Davis. That one's easy. Uh, I do think Eric Rowe is a, a potential name to watch. He's kind of been phased out a little bit. I love having Eric on the team. I would hate to see him go. Uh, but Eric is entering into a contract year. He's 30 years old in 2022. He's entering into a contract year. You do not have to focus on, I think you could certainly get something in a trade for him, but their cap savings would not be restricted to only trading him. You could save $4.5 million against the cap for Eric Rowe. Again, I don't know that I would want to lose Eric Rowe, but Brandon Jones's emergence is something that at least puts that decision 
as far as snap counts and investment because this is this is the appeal of building through the draft. Anybody know what Brandon Jones's contract commitment is for 2022? $1.3 million. So it's a quarter of what Eric Rowe gets. But this isn't just limited to guys who are on their second and third contracts. There's going to be some players that Miami is probably going to want to try to move on from if they appropriately attack rebuilding some of the weak spots on this roster. I'm looking at you, offensive line. So let's use Austin Jackson as an example. The way that the rookie contracts are now structures is there's a significantly higher amount of guaranteed money now than what there used to be in those deals. So, uh, what you're looking at for Austin Jackson, he's only owed $1.85 million this upcoming season. So that cash is low. But he signed a $7.5 million signing bonus, and his entire contract is guaranteed, which means if you cut him, you owe him this year's salary, next year's salary, which is his fourth year, and the prorated signing bonus, two years worth of that $7.5 million. So if you tried to cut Austin Jackson, your cap hit would go from being 3.7, which is what it is currently for 2022, to over $8 million. You'd lose nearly $4.5 million against the cap. But if you trade Austin Jackson, the new team would be absorbing his base salary for this year and for next year, which means you would, again, only be responsible for the prorated signing bonus. If you trade Austin Jackson, before June 1st, your salary cap total is only going to be $20,000 higher only. Salary cap hit for the dead cap is going to be $20,000 higher than what your commitment is to keep him on the roster. In the grand scheme of things in the NFL, that is a push. That is a break-even. That's your, if you want to clear this log jam and you've seen enough of Austin Jackson and you think you can sell him on his traits to somebody else and you know get anything for him if you've decided you've moved on. And again, in the spirit of Coach Lem, we've got a 17th game to play, so the entire body works not ready to analyze yet. Then you can do that. And you could potentially get Austin Jackson off your books and be no worse for the wear. You won't save any money, but you won't lose any money. It's worth mentioning for Tua Tungvaloa, um, as if the Dolphins and you know, that you've already heard a lot of the uh, outlets on the beat that are expressing their, the Dolphins are probably expected to be making another run at you-know-who this offseason. And if that does transpire, and should the Dolphins decide uh, that now is the right time to transition away from Tuatunga Valoa, same rules apply. You can't cut him. You wouldn't cut him. You'd get something for him for sure. What his market is, that's something we're going to have to explore a little later this offseason. But uh, 
just want everybody to know what the, the cap ramifications are of this. If you traded to a tongue of Aloha as part of a larger transition at quarterback, uh, your dead cap total for the year would be $1.5 million higher than what his current cap commitment is for the year. That $8.25 million, that's his current cap hit. Uh, if you traded him, uh, the, you would see that portion of the signing bonus accelerate and prorate, and um, that final total is $9.8 million. So there's a lot of flux which you can see from the Dolphins. The good news, they've got more wiggle room than anybody else across the league. They can get creative. And as we talked about with Emmanuel Agba, re-signing players doesn't mean, oh, we signed for $18 million per season. That's $18 million off the books for Miami. No, no, doesn't have to be that way, depending on how you structure the money. And that's the one thing everybody's going to look at the 2020 draft for Chris Greer, and understandably so. That is the one thing that I will say Chris Greer's a slam dunk dynamic of his regime is how they have approached salary cap spending in a way that is dramatically different than how the Dolphins have usually done their business. And this is an opportunity for that to pay dividends. So we went over draft picks. We went over potential compensatory picks. Don't expect any. We went over salary cap. We went over some significant names and financial implications of them not being or remaining on the team. This was the primer. Remember, we got to go through every position group, talk about what kind of cap is committed to each position group. We got to evaluate the players. We got to see what else is out there. We're, we're going to be busy. So make sure you plan accordingly. Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. Thanks, as always, for listening. Guys, make it a great Wednesday, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow.